to episode 15 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, creativity, social media, and of course, self-care. We're putting women at the center of our media and behind the creation of it, and today's episode features Sheena Brady. A merchant success leader at Shopify Plus and CEO slash tea sommelier behind Tea's Tea, Sheena believes that however you feel, there's always a tea for that. Tea's Tea was built on a dream and a vision to create modern tea blends for every desire while supporting organizations dedicated to women's empowerment around the world. With customers in over 30 countries, Sheena turned her side hustle into a thriving vampire one sip at a time. And I'm so excited to have her on today's episode to talk about balancing business life, owning a business, also working a nine to five, and now being a new mom. But before we get into the episode, I want to talk about our podcast partner, Lisa. You guys know that sleep is super important to my own self-care routine and sleeping on this memory foam mattress, which is so soft, gives me the best sleep of my life. So if you are looking for a new mattress, definitely check out Lisa. It's a super simple process. You order online and it gets delivered directly to your doorstep. It's simple and easy and you can save $100 off of a Lisa mattress purchase if you use the code SELFCARE at the checkout. That's self-care at L-E-E-S-A dot com. Now let's get into the episode. Sheena, thank you so much for coming on Self-Care Sunday today. I've been really looking up to you ever since Kim Curtin from Unco introduced us. So I'm excited to have this convo and hear a little bit more about your journey. Oh, thank you. Honestly, though, the pleasure is mine and it's uh, great that Kim introduced us because the feeling is totally mutual. There's a big love and admiration with everything that uh, you've accomplished and are continuing to build and work on. Thank you. So I want to break things down into chapters for this episode. And I want to start with like the pre-T chapter. Sure. (laughs) So who was Sheena five years ago and kind of what happened in your journey to get you to where you are now? Yeah, it's funny. I even just thinking back five years ago. I mean, you probably might you know feel this about yourself too. But it's funny how much you can change in your twenties, right? Like just over a few years, how much can change? And just kind of thinking about that, it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. But basically, I I went to school for hotel restaurant management, and so my dream was to own a restaurant. Like that was my goal. That was my dream. You know, I worked in kitchens. I worked in the front of the house. I you know kind of worked my way up the ranks. You know, from hostess to serve to bartender to supervisor to manager uh and then you know at one point I was kind of I was operating you know an an entire restaurant with 180 employees below me it was a pretty massive place yeah so it was uh, that was you know me five years ago and it's funny because when right when I got out of school you know I had that educational background but I didn't have a lot of practical background um and so I was very lucky I was granted a visa to work in New York City uh, where I got to work uh, under a Michelin star chef and that was great but I felt like I really had to fake it to make it to kind of prove myself I kind of make the joke that I was like Hillary Clinton in a pantsuit kind of thing. I put my trust in a pantsuit instead of myself, just hoping that my exterior and my, you know, this persona, this vibe that I could give off 
would make me seem like I knew what I was doing and successful. And uh, yeah, I had like a little bit of a kind of like a hardness, a bit of a shell to me. Didn't really open up because I thought that that was kind of a sign of weakness, especially in the hospitality industry. Like when you look at stereotypes like, you know, Gordon Ramsay's of the restaurant industry, people are pretty tough, right? And you Is have that to what pretty it's really like? And, yeah, and then <laughs> an intense work ethic as well. And people say you have to be a little bit crazy to kind of work in hospitality because you're literally working these insane hours and you're sacrificing every night, every weekend, every holiday just to please strangers, basically, right? Like the guests that are coming into the restaurant. And as a result, you know, I didn't really take good care of myself. Uh, not at all. I was probably the most underweight I'd ever been in my entire life and not in a, not in a good way. Um, I'd be up until two, three in the morning, you know, then after that, we'd have a couple drinks together as we were closing down because it was always a slow close down. Wouldn't go to bed till four or five in the morning, you know, so I sacrificed a lot of my relationships with uh, family, friends, and then even peers. My relationships were not very strong either at that time, because again, you know, I had this persona, this kind of tough woman, kind of girl boss attitude thing that I was trying to uh, pull off. And all I really cared about was making sure that my bosses, you know, the people who were signing my paycheck at the end of the day were happy. And so that was me five years ago. I know it's not the prettiest picture and it's kind of a bit depressing, but that's, uh, that's who I was. So how did you go from that madness and that hustle from the restaurant world into the tea world? Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting how I had a newfound passion kind of spark pretty much out of nowhere. Um, so while I was working in the hospitality industry, I was actually also a certified wine sommelier, very passionate about wine, service, hospitality, um, you know, that whole thing. And when I moved to Toronto, so basically I moved from New York to work for, you know, that, that um, Michelin star restaurant then that led me to California. So I worked there for a couple of years for four seasons. And then that led me to Toronto to help open up a, a new hotel, basically. Um, so I was part of an original team to do that. And when I got there, I was really excited to get my hands on the wine menu. And unfortunately, the general manager of the hotel at the time did not have the trust in me to do it. I think he thought I was too young or maybe not enough experience or whatever the case might have been. But he said, what I want you to do is put together our tea menu. And I felt a little bit, uh, I guess, belittled in that moment. And Actually, I didn't even drink tea at the time, so I thought to my, I, I literally said out loud to him, you know, what do you want me to do? Grab Lipton's and, you know, Red Rose and put it on a menu and, and call it a day. And he said, <laughs> no, actually, you've got your work cut out for you because, um, you know, Shangri-La, the name of the hotel as a brand, uh, is wildly respected throughout Asia. It's a very big hotel chain, and obviously tea is very close to our heart and our Asian hospitality. And I want the biggest tea menu in all of Toronto. And I want a minimum of 75 different teas sourced from around the world. And not only do you need to create this menu of 75 different teas that are curated, but you have to train the staff on different tea ceremonies around the world. So, you know, how is tea prepared in China versus Japan versus England, you know, versus Russia versus Morocco? I had to know all of these things and then teach it to our team. Wow. So, yeah, so I had my work cut out for me. But, you know, I was pretty uh, excited to kind of prove him wrong about the whole wine menu thing. So I guess I, get my, I let my ego kind of uh, get the best of me, but it, it kind of worked out in my favor at that moment. But I found the Tea Association of Canada, and they're the only recognized uh, institution in the country that educates you from bush to cup, basically, around the world of tea. And they had a tea sommelier program. 
And so when I took this tea sommelier program, it's basically like an eight-month journey uh, to become a tea sommelier. It's eight different courses. You learn everything from, you know, import-export regulations to how to cook with tea, bake with tea, tea-infused cocktails, how to build a tea menu, um, how to appreciate tea from every culture on the world. So it was totally aligned. But what I didn't expect is that I actually enjoyed the course, um, the program itself, because like wine – you have this beautiful plant, like you have the tea leaf, right? And with wine, you have grapes. And from there, you have countless different varietals. So with wine, you have red grapes and you have white grapes. And then you have literally hundreds of different types of wine just from that one you know, beautiful plant. Uh, with tea, it's the exact same thing. You know, A lot of people don't realize that um, with the tea plant, basically you get your black tea, green tea, white tea, oolong, and pu'er. It all comes from the exact same plant. The difference between the teas is how it's processed, how it's harvested, the soil, the climate conditions, all that nerdy stuff that I loved about wine totally translated to tea. And it was an unexpected passion. And so that's basically how that passion kind of sparked uh, later on in my 20s. And I ended up starting my side hustle tea business out of my condo in Toronto. Okay, so let's talk about your quote-unquote side hustle tea business (laughs) because I love that you still called it a a side hustle because I know how like amazingly successful you guys are doing. Um, But I think it's so interesting because outside of your 9-to-5 job now, which is at Shopify, and that's something that we haven't even talked about yet, you've grown Tease Tea to a place where most entrepreneurs would choose to walk away from their day job and dive full-time into their startup. What has the balance been like between those two things, and, and why have you chosen to kind of keep it as a side hustle? Yeah, no kidding. Like, I'll be honest, it's been really hard uh, to keep it as a side hustle, and it's probably one of those things in the back of my mind that still kind of eats at me a little bit. Like, what would happen if I just, this was literally everything I did with every minute of, of my day sort of thing. But the, the main reason why is when I was in Toronto, like I said, just kind of like wrap up that chapter, that was, you know, the hospitality industry just wasn't working for me. Um, like I said, it was, I had to sacrifice my relationships. I wasn't taking good care of myself. I just truly wasn't happy. And honestly, that last job that I had, and I don't, I don't share this very often with many people, but I actually got fired from that job. And that was just such a huge blow to the ego because here I was, I had given my, you know, literally blood, sweat and tears into an industry that made me feel disposable within two minutes. Right. And so, uh, the only thing I had going for me after that basically was the fact that I was blending tea out of my condo in Toronto. Um, my boyfriend at the time had actually broken up with me at the same time too, emptied out the condo, sleeping on a hardwood floor. Like when I say I had nothing, like I literally had nothing shortly, you know, after that, like probably about a few months later, I started, you know, to, I was dating someone else who's pretty new. It was long distance and all this, you know, long winded roundabout story to say that that person took the time to invest in our relationship. And I was so tired of these broken relationships in the past that I I really gave my full self to this person in in a very honest way, um, baggage and all just kind of like presented everything. And, uh, you know, part of me thought, okay, he'll run away and, and that's, that's okay. At least, you know, we're not wasting each other's time, but he still kept coming back to Toronto to visit me every weekend from Ottawa. So, um, he ended up showing up one weekend with a a U-Haul truck, obviously we planned it out and we moved to Ottawa. Uh, I didn't have a job, but I had this business. And at the time it was just so small. It was nothing crazy. It was just friends and family, mostly, you know, buying, you know, some of my tea here and there. Um, so I needed a job. I needed a job to bankroll my business is how it started out. 
And the only transferable skill that I had was my Shopify store because I had started TST on Shopify. So I'm not very technical or anything like that, but I thought there has to be something that I could do that would be valuable for this company. And so I became a guru, which is basically customer support. So if you have a problem with your Shopify store, um, you would call that 1-800 number and it was probably someone like me on the other end, you know, trying to walk you through it. Um, and so that's how it started out. It was an hourly wage entry level job, nothing crazy. Uh, but what I didn't expect is I fell madly in love with Shopify as a company. Um, I fell in love with everything from its top-down leadership, uh, the way the company operated, the way people worked together. I was just surrounded by extremely talented, intelligent, hardworking people. And um, it kind of created this really unique ecosystem where every day I'd show up to work, even though I worked remotely, so I would just, you know, open up my computer, but I'd show up <laughs> to work and I'd be helping other entrepreneurs be a little bit more successful every day, right? So whether it was fixing a pop-up banner on their website or giving them advice on Facebook advertising, I was helping them be a little bit more successful. And in return, I was also constantly stimulating my brain to you know, operate 24-7 in that entrepreneurial mindset as well. That was also helping my business, right? So it was a very rewarding ecosystem um, in that sense. And Shopify has just kind of pushed me to grow uh, in so many ways professionally and even personally and helped me like even redefine some of my own personal uh, values. And so why I haven't given that up yet? I mean, when you actually find yourself loving a job, it's so, and a job is actually wildly supportive of the fact that you have a side business. Um, I was actually part of the reason why I was let go from that company in Toronto. So it was just very refreshing to have you know, a company like Shopify really support what I do and not just support it, but really celebrate it. Uh, because the more my business was successful, the more I was better able to help their merchants. Right. And so three years later, I'm now on Shopify plus, um, which is a team that helps our, you know, our more of our bigger high growth, high volume merchants, uh, more of those enterprise type clients. And I lead a team of e-commerce consultants that basically help make their stores better. So, you know, it's been, hard to have both going obviously, but, um, you know, I just do the best that I can every day and, uh, yeah, it's definitely not easy and it, it creates a, a lot on my plate, but I mean, I love what I do on both fronts. So it's, it's a little bit hard. <laughs> mm. And you're not just managing a team at Shopify. Now you have your own team for TST, right? Yes. Yeah. So we have, uh, two part-time employees and then this was a really the defining moment about, I think it was about a year and a half ago after we incorporated finally, um, we were starting to see enough revenue where I, it was really scary. It was like, okay, I'm not giving this all the attention it deserves. I'm giving it a lot of my attention, but now, you know, there's a huge demand for this. Like we're becoming more and more successful. I need more full-time support. And I actually had that conversation in my, you know, to my husband, like maybe uh, I should quit my job at Shopify. Um, and he's a civil engineer and, and he said, you know, why don't I quit my job? Um, and he had a great job working for the government of Canada as a civil engineer wow. uh, in their rail division. And he said, let me quit my job. And why don't I work for TST full time? Because I like my job, but I don't love my job the way you're drunk on Shopify Kool-Aid every day, basically. <laughs> and so he said, the worst case scenario is that if I, you know, if uh, things hit the fan, you know, with TST or the business in any way, hey, I'm still a civil engineer and I will 
try and find work somewhere else. It's like you actually love your job, and if you left it, you know that would that would be a shame if, if for some reason just things didn't work out um, in the short term. And so that's how I knew he was a keeper, and I needed to marry him. Like, oh up, my gosh, <laughs> I got goosebumps as you were telling that story. I love that so much. Yeah, so he's been my rock, seriously. So he. Uh, operates the business full time. And then obviously like we, we work together as well as a team and we have two part-time staff. Um, but through that all, we've had pop-ups in New York city as well. We've had full-time staff there that were temporary. Uh, we've had remote employees work for us as well. Uh, it's been honestly just, you know, interns, it's been, it's been a whirlwind of people to kind of, uh, to not just, you know, keep track of and, and manage, but to actually effectively lead and like keep them inspired to want to continue to do great work for us. So I've always been a coffee person, um, Mm -hmm. but tea is one of those kind of cliche self-care things that comes to (laughs) mind when I think about de-stressing. So is there anything that you've learned kind of becoming a tea sommelier or just being in the industry now between the relationship with tea and self-care? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny you say that because I agree, like, as a stereotype, you know, tea kind of has this hippy-dippy sort of, you know, vibe going on sometimes, and it's always associated with, like, yoga and that kind of stuff, but um, it's funny how when tea came into my life, like I said, I was really kind of at rock bottom with really crappy relationships. There's just no way around that, Um, and what I love about tea is that it really is, it really does have a beautiful synergy with self-care because, if you really take the time to make a cup of tea, there's a mindfulness aspect to it. And so when I make a cup of tea in the morning, afternoon, evening, it doesn't really matter. You're taking time to boil the water. You're taking time to steep the tea leaves. Um, Oftentimes you can see those tea leaves turning into a beautiful color. And so if you actually take the time to like listen to that water turn into like a roaring boil and then, you know, you're, you're in the moment, you're present, you're pouring it over the tea leaves and you're watching the infusion happen. Um, that's mindfulness, right? At its, at its best form and present and being present. And, and really isn't that what meditation is all about at the end of the day, right? Of course, there's so many different types of meditation, but at its core, meditation is just simply being present and in the moment Mm -hmm. and just kind of like focused in that, that beauty, even if it's just a cup of tea. And, um, I, I like to think of tea as almost like a a moment of self-reflection, um, regardless of what time of day you drink it, you know, you have to take time to steep it. You have to take time to enjoy it. It's not like coffee where, you know, I love coffee too. Don't get me wrong. I, I love coffee, you know, almost as much as tea, but coffee is very much a grab and go culture, right? You know, we're usually, in a rush to gulp a cup of coffee in the morning so that we get a good energy jolt to get our, you know, our day going, or we're at Starbucks and we're rushing in the line or whatever the case might be. It's a very different culture, uh, from tea. And so I think that, yeah, the mindfulness aspect is why there's a self-care element to it. And then obviously there's just the endless research to health benefits. And that's probably where as a tea sommelier, um, I find it very interesting as well based on the different types of tea or herbals that you enjoy, you know, you can really enjoy an endless array of benefits. I like to say, you know, however you're feeling, we have a tea for that. (laughs) I love that. So let's say I wanted to quit coffee. What would be like a great tea substitute for me? Um, so to the finish line is okay. Well, that, that's just me being self-promoting with my brand, but <laughs> that's okay. uh, to the finish line is an amazing tea blend because one of its main ingredients actually isn't a tea at all, but it's, it's a, 
it's an herbal ingredient that's not that hard to find. It's called yerba mate. And I'm obsessed with yerba mate. It's a plant from South America that has 90% more antioxidants than green tea. And it keeps you having this beautiful, sharp, consistent energy and focus all day long, minus the crash and jitters that you sometimes get with coffee. So, you know, with coffee, you, you, you finish it and you feel like you can take on the world and then obviously comes the inevitable crash and then you have another one and, and what have you with, with this uh, plant, I find it just kind of keeps you going. It keeps you coasting. And so, uh, we actually blend this yerba uh, mate with a very high quality green tea and a bit of lemon essence to just kind of brighten the flavor. Uh, and it's beautiful. It just gives you an energy boost all day. And there are CEOs who swear by yerba mate again to help promote their uh, creativity, focus, calm, and alertness. So it's a, uh, yeah, if you want to kick your coffee addiction or curb it, <laughs> I think the best way is definitely with a, you know, a cup of yerba mate or, or to the finish line blend. Okay, I need to try that. Um, if I'm de-stressing before bed or want something to like really calm my mind, is there a specific kind of tea for that? Uh, definitely. I think um, rooibos tea is probably very underrated in terms of how relaxing and calming it is. So rooibos is a plant from South Africa. Um, it basically has these natural kind of calming properties that can help you de-stress. Um, and it, it has this beautiful, like full-bodied flavor as well. So it's not like you're drinking flowers in a cup because I'm, I'm not into that. And I mean, some people are, but, um, when you think of like herbal or caffeine free teas, usually it's like chamomile that comes to mind or like, you know, peppermint or what have you. And it's can be quite overpowering. Um, is just has like a more of a beautiful, subtle complexity. And honestly, it, it like knocks me out pretty much every time. <laughs> Okay, I could ask you so many questions about tea. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to be careful because I could nerd out. Like, I recently took a position um, also teaching the tea sommelier program at Algonquin College in Ottawa, and I, like, I get to like nerd out with tea with my students, um, you know, once a week basically, and it's dangerous. Like, I could go on for for way too long. So, <laughs> okay, what? So wait, you're also now teaching a course? Yeah, like you do so many things. Because the other thing that I wanted to talk about in this episode was that you're now a new mom, (laughs) which is like, how the heck do you balance it all? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so my daughter's 10 weeks old as of Saturday, um, which has been just incredible. And how do I balance it all? My gosh, pre baby, um, pre baby. It was a couple of things. Um, I think the first thing was being very intentional with my time. And that doesn't, that is not an easy skill. Like, especially as you know, this, like, especially when you work remotely, when you work from wherever's convenient, whether it's your home or a coffee shop or what have you, it's so easy to become distracted. And so over the years, I've really had to develop my skills and how to be very intentional with my time. And it's kind of like that old, you know, quote, like they say, how long it takes you to do something is how long you give yourself. Um, Mm. so I try to be a little bit more, um, not hard on myself. It's not the right word, but give myself more firm deadlines. Um, whereas something that I could typically have a week to do, I literally say, okay, no, I actually need to get this done in 48 hours so I can work on this. And then, you know, just being very intentional with my time. That's one thing. And it's still a work in progress. Um, the other thing is trusting others. And that's another thing that really hasn't come easy. You know, we talk about, uh, leading people at TST. Um, I was a one woman show for like the first three and a half years. And, um, though we 
you know, though the company built so success over those years, the irony is we've never been more successful than when I started to trust others and delegate things to others. And that, you know, that includes my husband. Um, I like to think that like my way is the right way because it's my brand and my vision and TST was literally my baby before I had a baby, but that's just not a scalable, long-term successful business model. Um, so that's been a, a key way of how to, to balance things. And honestly, thank goodness I, you know, I let my ego take a bit of a backseat in the last year because I don't, if, if I, I feel like if I haven't, if I hadn't have started to trust people the way I do now in my business, um, I think I would have seen a lot more different failures within our company and especially while having a baby. Um, being able to trust others in the last few months has really given me the the time to just enjoy motherhood and just be fully committed to that and know that, you know, people are still taking good care of my other baby, the business, and I don't have to get all worked up about it. Mm. Now, I know there's quite a few mothers that listen to the podcast. I'm not a mother, but I can only imagine how much of a whirlwind the past 10 weeks have been for you. And prior to that, the past nine months, um, how has all that affected your mental health and your self-care? Yeah. So being back, you know, in first, I actually forgot to mention that my family is here in Ottawa, which is great. So relocating from here to Toronto, um, with my significant other, uh, has been great to be around family and everything. And, and again, it's helped me kind of like redefine what I personally feel is success. And that includes success in relationships. And so this has been, again, something that I've been, uh, has been on the forefront of all of my efforts is trying to rebuild relationships with family and friends and really have a, uh, a, the healthiest relationship that I can have, you know, with my husband and, and my family and so on. And so, um, mental health obviously is a huge part that before I had a baby. Um, and it was actually, I should say it was, you know, a bit of a struggle too, with some high blood pressure scares that I had. I actually was diagnosed with uh, chronic hypertension, um, as a result of stress, because I guess go figure, you can get stressed out having a full-time job and a crazy growing business. Um, so throw a baby into the mix and, uh, how has that affected my mental health? Honestly, I thought I had a good grasp on a lot of, um, healthy practices that I was doing post baby or sorry, pre baby, I should say. And then when my daughter was born, everything got turned upside down and thrown out the window in terms of what those best practices were. And so I, I had to kind of like redefine and kind of like reevaluate how I can incorporate some things into my life daily to practice, you know, having good mental health. And because reality is if I don't, you know, I'm going to sacrifice being a great mom or, or the best wife that I can be. Right. And so at first, honestly, I struggled with the baby blues, uh, the first probably like six to eight weeks. If I'm being honest, I don't think that I experienced postpartum depression, but I can definitely see how it can be a dangerous slippery slope. If you're not honest about it with yourself and the people around you, um, about how you're feeling. And so this kind of goes back to really being able to be honest with yourself, be honest with others and trust others. And so, you know, as a new mom, especially a breastfeeding mom, like you, you know, you want to be able to feed your baby like on standby all the time and be there for them at every minute of the day. And you wake up and they're crying and they're hungry and they're just like glued to you literally the entire day. Um, it's easy to not have a single moment 
for yourself to so much as make a cup of tea, let alone have a hot meal. And that happened. And uh, it was my own fault um, because I wasn't honest with my husband from the beginning. And I should have said, I need help. And not just I need help, but here's how you can help me. And, you know, so now we've kind of developed this routine that actually works for us where, yes, I'm up with the baby two to three, sometimes four or five times a night. Um, But every single morning without fail, my husband gets up at 6 a.m. and he has the baby until 10. And I know that I have those glorious four hours to myself. And that's to you know, sleep in, to shower, to make a cup of coffee or tea, make a hot breakfast, really put myself together so that I, you know, I feel together and I can be a better mom. And so for me, that's kind of been um, a really intentional part of trying to make sure that I'm in the best positive mental health state possible for myself and my family. I feel like you've learned and grown so much over the past few years. And I'm really curious, what is something that you think more women should hear or that you would tell a younger woman who's maybe listening to this podcast? Yeah, it, it kind of ties into where we were going in the beginning, right? Like talking about who I was in the beginning with this hard fake it till you make it persona. What is something that I think more women should hear? I think that they should know that vulnerability is really a virtue. And I think that this is definitely becoming more center stage lately, um, where people are celebrating vulnerability more uh, in women and and even with men as well. Um, But I still think that we have a long way to go because when you think of traditional corporate cultures or even um, in the home, like a a lot of um, women feel they need to have this, you know, this tough persona, that they have it all together, that they have it all figured out. And it's okay that you don't have your shit figured out. And it's okay to share that. And I think that that also goes back to my love of Shopify because I I saw that from a top-down leadership culture. And so being exposed to that kind of inspired me to reevaluate how I define leadership um, at work and even outside of work. And um, I noticed that the more open and vulnerable I was with my team, uh, the more that they not only opened up to me about things that they were struggling with, but it created a more healthy conversation uh, around, you know, how can, you know, I'm at A and I have a roadblock, how can I get to B? Whereas if you have this tough persona thing, you might not even realize that there's a challenge in the first place with someone on your team or they might not see a struggle with you. Um, And so I think even as somebody who owns a business, as an entrepreneur, um, yeah, like I, I literally only know what I'm doing half the time and I'm okay to admit that, you know, Google's there to help with the rest. Um, my peers are there to help with the rest. My mentors are there to help with the rest. Uh, and I think it's really important to, yeah, just kind of like be open and honest because then you're creating the ultimate growth mindset. Um, you're just constantly evolving as a person and therefore your business or your relationships. So. So true. Nobody has it figured out. And the, Nobody has it the Google out. search bar, <laughs> man, I've learned so much from the Google search bar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've learned everything from, like, how to clear, you know, a a $100,000 shipment of tea across the border. Oh, my gosh. To, to like, how to start payroll or do my taxes. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's okay. Like, nobody nobody expects you to know all these things. And and you're going to have to learn it yourself. Like, like even education can only get you so far until you're actually really in the trenches. So, Mm -hmm. so true. Well, you're a rock star. I want to finish with a fun, quick fire round. Um, first question, what's your zodiac sign? 
I'm a Virgo. I don't know what that means. I never followed star signs. Maybe you do. Um, yeah, I'm a Virgo. Oh my gosh. I feel like I want to start another podcast just on astrology because that's like, I, it's something that I've been getting bigger into over the past Mm -hmm. couple of years. And I follow like a few good accounts on Instagram and YouTube. It's so interesting. Um, what's your favorite teas tea flavor? Um, so that's like trying to ask like, what's your favorite child? Like that's really hard. Uh, well, I told you about to the finish line, but if I'm being honest, like I like to keep it simple. I'm obsessed with matcha. Um, we have a really high quality ceremonial organic matcha TST that uh, I sourced, uh, personally from Uji Japan. And it took like the supplier didn't even trust us at first to sell it to us. Like matcha is so coveted in Japan. Like they barely export any compared to the amount that they keep to themselves. Um, so anyway, so it's from this like family plantation and, uh, matcha in general just has, if you have one serving Kaylee, it's the equivalent of consuming like up to 10 cups of green tea. So what? enough said it's so powerful. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Is that all matcha? Yeah. Like, I, do I just not know this about matcha? I never really got into the whole, like, you know, matcha lattes, blah, blah, blah. So good for you. Like it has, like I said, one serving is equivalent of up to 10 cups of green tea. It's the ultimate immune system booster, focus booster. Um, Canadian researchers actually had like injected magic green tea into the cold and flu virus. This is where I'm getting really nerdy. Um, <laughs> and they found that the virus stopped replicating. Um, what? So yeah, so it's, it's all that to say, you know, maybe it's not necessarily the cure to the common cold because there isn't one, but it's the difference between, you know, staying at home for five days or, you know, boosting your immunity so that you're really just dealing with the sniffles and you're, um, you know, basically lowering the amount of time that you're, that you're sick. So it's just a, a really great, great beverage all around. Is there a specific way that you drink it? Like, do you make it in a latte or how do you take it? I'm pretty gangster. I do matcha shots every day, oh <laughs> especially as a new mom. Uh, it's pretty easy to do. I basically take my matcha and I, so what I mean by like gangster is that I have it very concentrated basically. Um, some people love the taste. Some people hate the taste. Some people are just very polarized. Matcha is very polarizing, I think, um, in general in terms of its taste, but the higher the quality, the better it is. So that I will say if you're, if you're wanting to pick some up. And what I do is I put, um, a serving into a martini shaker and I shake it in ice and then I, you know, shake it like crazy, pour it into a shot glass and shoot it. And then there I have, you know, I have it all at once. Now that's not the mindful way to drink tea or matcha by any means. It's like probably true matcha aficionados would, um, say I'm out of my mind. Um, but I take it on the go, uh, when I, when I need it and it's really good for, you know, boosting my day. Love it. Okay. Next question. Who is an entrepreneur that inspires you? Um, honestly, when I was thinking about this, my dad, uh, my dad, has been an entrepreneur since long before it was cool to be an entrepreneur. Uh, my dad had side hustles since he was like 10 years old, like ones that were unsafe. Like he told me this story the other day that was so ridiculous. He told me he used to go to these old factories when he was a kid and take these like pieces of metal, which actually contained lead and then melt them down in his house, in like his family's home in a pot and make fishing, um, 
fishing weights out of them and then sell them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's so ridiculous. So my dad's like, you know, the epitome of like the side hustler, but what he's been doing for the last uh, 30 years is he's basically a, a general contractor, interior decorator. My dad's just like an exceptional builder and he's great with his hands and he's very artistic and he's uh, worked for himself basically his entire life. I don't think he's ever worked for anybody else in his life, uh, but he's just the epitome of self-made, like extremely, uh, extremely incre- extremely impressive work ethic that I think is hard to come by these days. Uh, and I think that he kind of instilled that in me a little bit. So what's one book that you think everyone should read? Um, have you heard of the book, the subtle art of not giving a fuck? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've read that. Oh, you read it? Yeah. It's a good one. It's so good. And I, I know it's been around since 2015. I only read it maybe a few weeks ago and, um, I love it. And I think like it, it really adopts a lot of, you know, small business or self-help philosophies just in a very different way. Um, but what I like about it is it is like the book itself doesn't mean, you know, not being indifferent or not caring. It just means being comfortable with being different and like also being very selective about the things that you choose to give your focus and energy to. Um, and obviously like when you do that, you're leaving room to dedicate focus and attention on what actually makes you happy versus the things that are actually, uh, meaningless and lead to stress and anxiety, um, and those types of things. And, and therefore, you know, it kind of, it can help to create a more successful path for you. And that book really reminded me of how important it is to kind of reevaluate my metrics of success, you know, whether it's successful relationships, successful business, successful lifestyle, whatever the case is. So yeah, it's a great book. This wasn't in my questions before, but now I'm curious, what does success mean to you? (laughs) I think success to me means being very happy with what's around you. Um, that, and I know that that sounds very cliche, but I've been on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where I'm not happy what's around me. I'm always like, okay, you know, when can I work towards getting this car or, you know, these different things that are kind of really superficial in the bigger picture um, versus really just appreciating all the good that's around me. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like I I have a a job that I love and I have a company that's thriving. Uh, It comes with its challenges and stress every single day. Don't get me wrong. But to me, like the fact that I get to wake up uh, and love what I do every day, that's success. And I think that it's important. I know this isn't really a rapid fire answer, but for anybody who wants to start a business, um, really think about that, you know, especially a side hustle. It's not impossible. You know, some people say, oh, I'm too busy. I have this crazy full-time job, um, but I hate it and I'm miserable. And to them, you know, I would say, well, figure something else out. Like, is there, is there another option? Like, could you, maybe it's not the best example, but could you walk dogs, for example? Like if you love dogs, um, why not walk dogs to make extra money to help bankroll your business, which is also going to make you happy and fulfilled. And this way you don't dread doing that other job that you have, right? It might not be as glamorous or whatever the case might be, but at least it's more fulfilling and it's going to give you the flexibility to, you know, build your side hustle or maybe it's driving for Uber or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Good advice. What does your perfect self-care Sunday look like? For me, I think my perfect self-care Sunday is celebrating self-care Sunday every single day. And that, you know, might seem like not realistic, but I think that self-care Sunday, self-care in general can even mean something small that you do for yourself and you just don't compromise on it. Um, 
that's really important, especially as a mom, you know, like one of my biggest guilty pleasures is going to make me sound so vain. Um, but I am obsessed with blowouts. Um, <laughs> I've been getting my hair washed and blow dried for 10 years. I'm not even joking. And this place opened up near me, uh, about a year and a half ago that has a membership. So go figure, I don't like to go to the gym, but here's this place. It's like, it's like a workout for your hair. It's like a membership oh for, for your hair. Um, and so, you know, at first I thought, you know, I'm a little bit guilty about wanting to purchase this membership, but I thought, you know what? I don't, I don't smoke. I don't drink or I don't buy lottery tickets. Like I don't have that thing that I just do as like a guilt-free pleasure kind of thing. Right. Um, so this is it and I do it. And, um, they asked me when I was pregnant, you know, are you going to pause your membership or cancel it because of the baby? And I said, Oh hell no, I'm going to need it more (laughs) than ever. (laughs) Like no way. And so for me, that was like a cool moment because I, I said, I'm not compromising on this. And I still go twice a week, um, to get my hair washed and blow dried. And it's not just about, you know, having my hair perfect. It's about how I feel after I leave, you know, I feel good. Um, I, when you obviously like when you look good, you feel good and you can do, you know, even better work. And you just, I took that moment for myself. I have the tea while they're doing my hair. They do the scalp massage. It's very relaxing. The whole nine yards. And you know what? I've been bringing my daughter since she was two weeks old with me. So she just like sleeps in her little seat in her car seat. And I bring, I roll her in with me and they love her there. And she just loves the sound of hair dryers and she naps better there than at home. So we're both happy. (laughs) Aww. Okay. I'm like weirdly curious about blowouts, but maybe that's a whole other conversation. Like I've never had one and now my hair is short, but my hair is like at that awkward length where it's getting a little bit too long to just like be short and, you know, have it be cool. It's like in the grow out phase. And I'm like, Hmm, like, I think I saw you post. Did you write a blog post? I about did. This? I wrote a blog yeah. post about it. Cause I kept like, when I would post pictures on Instagram, like people would be like, your hair is always so perfect. Like, how do you do it? And it was like, man, I don't, I don't want to have this fake persona of like, I woke up like this. You know what I mean? So it's, I just said, I pay to get my hair done. I don't wake up like this. Somebody does my hair for me. I'm a, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to hide this in the closet anymore. I literally did for like nine years. So it was like my own secret. Now it's my not so secret secret. Um, and it's the best investment, Kaylee. It's like, it can be addictive. Um, but especially in Toronto, like there's great places too, that'll, you know, that'll do them as well. There's some great chains, but the point is when you get a good blowout, like I can let mine last for like four days, honestly, I'm not even joking. Um, and I can maybe just, you know, tweak it a little bit, just if there's a little bit of kinks in my hair or whatever the next day from sleeping on it. Um, but to have one less stress in your life. And that's actually a really important part of like self-care, you know, Sunday, these things I don't compromise on, um, to have one less thing to stress about. Like you said, you have your hair that's in this awkward phase. I have this hair that's like wildly curly. That takes me literally an hour and a half to wash it and blow dry it and style it myself. So why not let somebody else do it? Who can do it better than me? Who can do it quicker than me? And it's going to last longer. And I look and feel great. So, and I can focus on other things. Yes. Okay. I need to try. I need to try. (laughs) (laughs) You might get me hooked. Do it. Uh, All right. Thank you so much. This was great. I love having you. Yeah, my pleasure, Kaylee. It's been great chatting with you too. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Self Care Sunday. If you want to check out Tease Tea, you can find them at teasetea.com or on Instagram at tease underscore tea.
You can also follow Sheena on Instagram at Sheena underscore Brady. And of course, if you want to catch up on further episodes of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, selfcaresunday.co. Find us on Instagram at selfcaresunday. And now that I've plugged every social possible, please, please, please leave a rating and a review if you enjoyed today's episode. If you took something away from it, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Don't be afraid to shout out on DMs or Instagram comments. And we'll see you next week. Happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone. Thank you.